You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the OFNT podcast. OFNT stands for Old Fart New Tech. I'm your host and resident Old Fart Jim Schaefer, and the podcast, at least to me, is the New Tech. I hope this finds you well and you're having a great week. Thank goodness for Apple and their seemingly endless product events. Didn't have them. Well, I wouldn't have much to talk about. So speaking of which, let's jump right into tech news. I know the Apple event has overshadowed the releases of the Xbox and PS5, but are you even interested in these consoles? Or are you a PC gamer? Well, let's address the elephant in the room first. On November 10th, Apple held another virtual event to introduce the new in-house designed Apple Silicon. And the first products that will be powered by this new generation of chips. The name of this series of chips for the company's Mac lineup will have the letter designation M versus the A for iOS products. In this case, it's appropriately named the M1 chip. 
First up, after the usual tech highlights of the new chip being talked about, the new Mac Air was introduced. As predicted, there were no obvious external redesign of the machine. It looks exactly like the last model and still features a 13-inch display. Apple highlighted the better security, faster but still paltry, base storage memory, increased battery life and quietness of the machine due to the fanless design of the Air. It also has true instant on, not the fake PC type featured on some Windows machines. The video conferencing experience will be better thanks to software enhancements and the M1 chip. The camera remains the underperforming 720p one featured in the older models. With more people working from home these days and using various video conferencing software, you'd figure that the company would upgrade the camera to 1080p. Perhaps the thin bezel of the Air wouldn't allow for that. You will be able to run iOS apps on all the M1 equipped Macs, and new universal apps that will run flawlessly on both architectures are on the way. For software coded for the Intel x86 architecture, Rosetta 2, a translation app, will allow you to run these legacy apps. We'll have to wait and see how this works in real life. The larger software houses will be able to code new versions of their products quickly, but for smaller shops, things will go more slowly, probably much more slowly. The new MacBook Air starts at $999, and that price increases for upgraded storage and memory. The max RAM is 16 gigabytes, and the max storage is 2 terabytes. But you know Apple, so expect these upgrades to cost you a pretty penny. Next up was the first surprise of the event. The Mac Mini was introduced, and again, I didn't notice any redesign of the hardware, but there seems to be two less ports. The same upgrades and features were announced that were highlighted with the Air wherever possible. It appears uh, this model is aimed at the Mini desktop market versus the older models, which were aimed at the home server slash developer market. The desktop mini market has expanded recently, and, and in fact, sitting on my desk at my workplace is a Dell mini desktop computer. They're cheap, more idiot-proof, and more easily replaced than their tower-style pre predecessors. While the Dell models are probably much cheaper than their Apple counterparts, the Mac mini will last longer and have far less maintenance issues on the hardware and especially software side. Besides the apparent reduction in ports, a $100 reduction in price was noted. The Mini starts at $699, while the older model started at $799. The same memory and storage options as the Air are available at the appropriate Apple tax prices. The 13-inch screened MacBook Pro was then introduced. The much maligned touch bar still lives, as does the same hardware design of its predecessor. Speaking of the touch bar, I'm not a touch typist, though I've tried to be one over the years. The touch bar favors the hunt and peck style typist like myself, so I find the touch bar useful. The same upgraded features of the Air were introduced with the added feature of upgraded internal microphones. The second surprise of the evening came when the old Apple startup chime made its reappearance. It's been absent on the new model since 2016, I believe. 
All in all, this model had the shortest introduction time of them all. After this, they showed a short clip of the usual hipsters, people of color, and even a token old fart using Macs. Some were touting the ability to have your workflow from the phone to the iPad and to the Mac. The final surprise of the event was the appearance of the PC guy from the old Mac versus PC commercials of the early to mid-aughts. He did his standard shtick, which ended the event. This is evidence to me that Apple intends to try and siphon off market share from window-based office machines, hence the new Mac Mini. The Apple versus Microsoft wars appear to be back on. A personal takeaway from this latest event is, I don't think we will ever see the resurrection of the plain old MacBook. It's pretty evident to me that the iPad has taken its place. But what do I know about the decision-making at Apple? So, and not for the first time, I could be wrong. What we didn't see was the Bloomberg-predicted 16-inch MacBook Pro, nor did we see any hint of the AirTags or the over-the-ear headphones rumored to be about to be released. All the hardware introduced during this event were the low-tier models of their respected lines. Next year should bring the redesigns of the upper tiers, at least concerning the MacBook Pro line. We should also see the much-awaited redesign of the iMac, and maybe even the Mac Pro. You know, none of these products were revolutionary. Microsoft tried this with Windows Phone and Universal Apps and running the desktop-bound Windows operating system on RISC-style processors. Microsoft just couldn't pull this all off in the mid-2000s. Apple is just doing what they do best, taking inspiration from others' ideas and waiting until they can implement them successfully. This event also had the effect of helping me decide what my retirement tech lineup will most likely look like. I'll have some generation of the newly designed iMac, and that will be the home anchor. You know, that'll be used for podcasting, editing, and video chatting with my children and grandchildren. A baseline MacBook Pro will be acquired for taking the show on the road, so to speak, and just doing things without having to boot up the iMac. An iPad Air with its beautiful 11-inch screen will be used for mobile computing, a standard 6.1-inch iPhone for, of course, communication and emergency on-the-go editing completes this retirement kit. Though I would love to be able to get by with the iPhone mini, the small screen size would just make it too hard to accomplish what I need to do. I can't see myself buying another Pro Series iPhone or iPad or a MacBook Air for that matter. The new operating system for Mac computers named Big Sur was released for download on Thursday, November 12th, and many users have had a lot of trouble with the download. Problems such as the inability to update the computer after downloading the update file, and others have reported their computers being rendered unresponsive after the update attempt. I've been running the beta version on my 2014-ish iMac since it was announced. I haven't had any problems with it until the last couple of weeks when an app I depend on has crashed on me. More on that later. 
The OS looks beautiful, more iOS-like than ever, which I have described in previous episodes. The biggest upgrade for me is the messaging app. Previously, when I received iMessages, I preferred responding using my phone rather than on my various Mac computers. Now the messaging app on those computers are almost up to par with those found on the iPhone or iPad. Speaking of the messaging app, the problems with Big Sur bled over to the iMessage service, which suffered an outage. While trying to update my MacBook Pro to Big Sur, I initially received error messages about not being able to update or uh, I had to run the file again. So I restarted my machine and all went well. And before I upgraded my MacBook Air, I restarted the computer before attempting the upgrade. And I had no problems whatsoever. My family and I have been using Google Photos to back up videos and photos from our phone, then deleting those deemed not important from the phone and iCloud to save space. All of this was free of charge, but that's about to change. Starting June 1st, 2021, you will have to start paying for a Google One storage plan to enjoy this feature. Going forward, not even Google's own Pixel phones will get this added perk, as they have in the past. After the cutoff date, you will only be able to back up 15 gigabytes of content. Photos you back up before June 1st will be grandfathered, but this doesn't mean that you'll be entitled to a further 15 gigabytes as your Gmail accounts will be counted against the cap. Well, the Goog giveth, and then the Goog most likely will take it away. Forbes.com is reporting that Sonos, the smart speaker manufacturer, has launched a subscription internet radio service called Radio HD. This will cost you $7.99 per month. The service offers curated ad-free stations broadcasted to you in lossless CD quality. Some stations will feature artist interviews and uh, have a DJ experience, a so-called DJ experience, which will be handled by artificial intelligence. Sonos already has a free internet radio service on its platform, less the AI and sound quality, and it's ad-supported. Myself, I don't own any Sonos equipment. They're well out of my price range, but what I find interesting about this service, and I believe the most important part, is use of artificial intelligence to recreate the DJ experience. If this proves successful, I can see broadcast radio moving towards this more and axing even more live DJs in order to save money. The industry has pretty much moved to a centralized model where one DJ will produce a number of shows in one location to be broadcast nationwide. If I'm understanding the use of AI technology the way Sonos is implementing it, pre-recorded DJ banter will be used, which cuts out any human involvement. Think the voices of Siri, Alexa, and the other digital personal assistant voices you hear. These voices were sourced from a human who went into a studio, recorded a script, and after that, their voice is used for the different interactions. Well, the future is upon us, and it's kind of scary. 
Revisiting Google, it appears to me that it's Chrome OS and therefore Chromebooks, despite a recent bombardment of YouTube ads, have been getting neglected lately. While still ruling the U.S. educational market and receiving a huge boost because of the pandemic-caused homeschooling requirement, regular users seem to be getting frustrated with some aspects of the operating system and some of Google's own Chrome products. I'm basing this opinion from various forums on the intertubes. I was a lucky recipient of the first Chromebook. I submitted my address while answering a survey by Google, and just before Christmas 2010, I received a package containing the prototype CR48 Chromebook for evaluation. I was excited for this new take on computing and used this machine enthusiastically until the operating system's limitation and hardware, too, I must add, raised its ugly head. You absolutely had to have an internet connection to use this machine. The screen was a matty type, and while that's kind of a good thing, it had the effect of darkening an already dim screen. I didn't pay a penny for this hardware, but what I didn't realize was that Google was vacuuming up all my data. These days, the always connected requirement has been solved and the hardware has improved, but the privacy concerns remain, especially when it's concerning your children. I guess regular users of this platform will have to wait until Google's attention is again on Chrome OS and Chromebooks. And finally, the social media app Parler, which had an explosion of users earlier this year, is going through another expansion after November's general election. Many of these new users have come from Twitter, which has become a left-wing echo chamber in my opinion. I think many others would agree with me on this. Selective censorship will do that for you. Parler does not censor any opinion no matter what side of the political aisle you're coming from. Of course, the response from mainstream media and the elites they employ, they label Parler as a platform filled with racist, right-wing extremists and Trump supporters. Oh, no. While I'm sure all of those labels have some representation on the platform, I believe the overall majority are people who have differing views on things than the dreaded blue check marks espouse on Twitter. While being poo-pooed by the self-appointed stalwarts of political think, old Jack, head of Twitter, should be at least a little bit concerned. You know, 70 million people voted for Trump in this last election, and of those that are active on social media, a good chunk of them will not be using that left-leaning, boy, and that's an understatement for you, platform. Just saying. Tech I'm using. Because of my recent job responsibility changes, I've found myself using Microsoft Word more, along with OneDrive. I use Apple Pages at home and prefer it. I think it's a superior word processing program. Thank goodness Pages lets me save and export DocsX files. That's the file system that uh, Microsoft Word uses. Combined with OneDrive, I can open, edit, and save work and personal documents. It's true you pay an Apple tax on purchases of the company's products, but you do get a highly polished and capable office productivity suite included. You also get some pretty capable audio and video editing software. 
All these apps just received an upgrade today. I'll be checking them out and seeing if I can see any changes. Right now, I know the icons have changed. Well, my aura ring is still chugging along without any hiccups, constantly nagging me to become more active, which I've kind of been ignoring lately. My Series 6 Apple Watch is performing well also, though the hand-washing timer works whenever it wants to. My old 12.9-inch iPad Pro is running out of memory, requiring me to delete apps in order to upgrade to later versions of iOS. This might accelerate my purchase of a new iPad Air, but I'll wait until the prices come down next year. My Omron blood pressure monitor is working great. My readings have been normal for the past week, if you were curious. This section's a little thin this week, as I have no new pieces of tech to play with. Entertainment news. Well, let me preface this by saying the media and many others love to label anyone or anything that doesn't agree with their opinion. I've decided to have some fun and extend that labeling to this next section and further on in the show. ESPN, the sports network that thought you would enjoy hearing the on-air talent espouse their political opinions more than sporting events and sport-related talk, has announced a layoff of 300 people and will leave 200 job vacancies unfilled. This according to the left-leaning New York Times. Also, many of the on-air personalities will take a pay cut and others' contracts will not be renewed. Of course, the pandemic was blamed, but while that pesky virus does have something to do with the network's recent failings, the hard left they took certainly didn't help. I don't know about you, but when I tune into a sports network, that usually means I want to see and hear about sports, an idea that ESPN cannot seem to grasp. Thank goodness Disney holds an 80% stake in the company and can be relied upon to prop them up. It has come to my attention that that wacky far-left propaganda network, Cable News Network, also known as CNN, is up for sale. Its parent company, AT&T, itself $150 billions, billions would it be, dollars in debt, is looking to jettison the struggling network along with its crying hosts. Now that it appears that Donald Trump is out of the White House, the 24-hour Orange Man Bad Network will have nothing to talk about. Well, I'm sure they can stay afloat for a while, glowingly covering President Biden and his Vice President Harris. But after that honeymoon, what's next? I mean, COVID will eventually come to an end, but perhaps there will be more wars for them to cover now. Then again, I don't think CNN actually sends out journalists to the field any longer. I've got an idea. Maybe Trump can buy CNN and create a real news network. I think the man would take pleasure in firing the current lineup of pretend journalists. Other than that, all was quiet in Hollyweird. Podcast news. While I was recording last week's episode, the digital audio workstation I use, Hindenburg, crashed on me yet again. Thankfully, this time, the app recovered the audio recorded before the crash. I don't really know what's causing this, but I suspect it has something to do with the Big Sur operating system beta release. 
I'll be keeping an eye on this and won't be running any more betas on my iMac. Spotify is continuing in its bid to own the podcasting world. It's announced that the company has purchased Megaphone, a show hosting and podcasting ad platform, for a cool $235 million. This, I believe, is the largest in terms of money acquisition the company has made in relation to podcasting. Many of the most successful shows use Megaphone, and now Spotify can make money even if the podcast isn't on their own platform. Spotify also gains something even more valuable for serving up ads, and that's info. And that means info on you. Before, the company only had info on the listeners on their own platform. Now they can add information on anyone that listens to a podcast hosted by Megaphone. I assume the aim here is to become the Google of music and podcast streaming. PodcastMovement.com ran an article critical of Joe Rogan having Alex Jones as a guest on his show for an interview and went on to criticize Spotify for hosting the show. The title of the article was, Joe Rogan is ramping up Spotify's misinformation problem. I wasn't aware that Spotify even had a misinformation problem. The author, who is uncredited, is probably of a certain political belief that applauds the censorship and silencing of voices and opinions they don't agree with. So I have to ask, why is this person into podcasting then? I thought podcasting was the last outlet for those unheard voices that political ilk is always championing. Oh wait, I get it. Only unheard voices with a particular political belief deserve to be heard. Well, I won't be reading anything from the so-called podcast movement again. Seems Adam Curry's founding of the podcastindex.org was very, very timely. Alec Baldwin, lately famous for playing Donald Trump on the weekly comedy show, Saturday Night Live, has moved his podcast, and I didn't even know he had one, from WNYC Public Radio to iHeartRadio. Well, this makes sense for the perpetually pouting left-wing actor. With Trump leaving the White House and COVID putting the kibosh on most new movie productions, I'm sure those acting parts aren't coming hot and heavy anymore. You know, a guy has to earn a living. I'm sure iHeart threw a bag of cash at him. Don't believe his story of WNYC interfering with his editorial content. Most of the news from podcasting this week was one mega company either buying or aligning with another mega company. It's hard even finding a source of news about independent podcasters. Large and well financed production houses keep cranking out new shows, most being of the true crime genre, continuing the ongoing squeeze out of the small independent podcast networks that once ruled the podverse. Words of impact. Advertising is a form of censorship. These words were uttered by the podfather himself, Adam Curry. What the man means by this is that when a podcast starts accepting money from advertisers, the show is beholden to them. If you express an opinion that might not be popular within a certain group or even just a couple of people, 
the advertisers will threaten to pull their support. Don't think that Joe Rogan isn't feeling this pressure at his new home on Spotify. It's time for my weekly rant. With my recent change of work shifts, I find myself commuting at a time of day much different than what I had been used to over the last 14 years. Besides more traffic on the roads, thus taking longer to get to my destination, I find there are more reckless drivers on the roads that I have to travel. I've lost count of how many times my vehicle has been missed by mere inches by idiots traveling at high rates of speeds, cutting me off in their BMWs or other pretend boy racer model of car. I've also learned that if one driver executes such a dangerous maneuver, there is always at least one or more who will attempt the same thing. I guess they are racing? I'm usually cruising along at 15 miles above the speed limit, so how fast do you think these future dead-on-arrivals are going? I don't care how fast you drive or even how reckless you want to drive. Heck, I really don't care if you crash your expensive import. Just realize that eventually you will most likely cause an innocent driver to have an accident. An accident they wouldn't have if you weren't driving like you harbored a death wish. Well, with that, episode 53 is in the can. You've been listening to the OFNT podcast, recorded and produced in the studios of the Factual Data Creation Facility. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it, and I hope you found it worthwhile. You can always contact me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com if you are so inclined. Tell me what you like and dislike and suggest how I can improve this show. I'd love hearing from you. So be safe. See you next week. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Never, buddy. Just get off my lawn. I'm out. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator sick of being upsold at gyms my guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.